you go to collect eggs, and a lot of times the chickens are sitting in the box. You try to get your hands underneath to take the eggs. You don't really want to kick the chicken out. Um, and most chickens will just put up with it. But Dinosaur made some of the craziest sounds you've ever heard in your life. Just like pterodactyl screams as you tried to collect eggs. Can, and I, get so, a, can I get your rendition of that? I, I, don't, I can't even begin to hit the high. Just, no, just give it a shot. Give it a shot. Gonna, Come on, man. Uh, I can't. I got two pets in here and a chill vibe. I can't kill our chill vibe. The quiet, he's a quiet version. <laughs> but like that, but louder. And sometimes quicker staccato. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but you want to know the end of Dinosaur? What, what, yeah, what happened to Dinosaur? Uh, put the chickens out on the pasture, some electric fence up. Most of them were staying in. Dinosaur got out one day. As dinosaurs are wont to do, if we learn anything from Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. And I thought, that's fine. Dinosaur gets back in every night on, on her own. Um, so I went about my day. I went somewhere. Then later that night, I came home, drove out there with the cat, kind of getting near dusk. And I noticed something kind of light in the field. I was like, oh, no, I have a feeling. And turned towards it. And it was dinosaur, uh, brutalized and dead, covered or like surrounded by a huge poof of feathers everywhere. Um, so I'm not sure what killed dinosaur, but hawk probably, or yeah, I thought, you know, yeah, I mean, it definitely was like a, you know, we had had some other ones die from like, you know, who knows what kind of things took them out. This was obviously very much something struck. I think it was a hawk because, uh, the same, the next day there was one, the hawk just watching the chickens. So, um, yeah, that was, that happened like, oh, maybe like three days before I left. So I felt kind of bad about that. Mm. My parting thing was one, one one less chicken, but yeah. All right. Well, I think we we've started. We've kind of like just yeah. eased our way into this. No song, no dance. Like real, yeah. No no dance, no song, no hard transition. We just you know started talking, and we had some blue talk at first that won't be in the podcast, and then we started yeah. talking about chickens. Mm-hmm. I think that's a natural transition between the two. Oh, welcome everyone. This is Fields of Work. Two brothers just talking about chickens, mostly. I'm Sam, yeah. the the non-chicken brother, the chicken curious brother, and then you're Max, the chicken owner brother. Yeah, chicken and expert. Not anymore. Chicken expert. That's true. Currently currently own zero chickens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking to get back into <laughs> chicken ownership, you know, someday. Looking, looking to get back into the chicken game. <laughs> yeah. Max, so. let's check in. Last episode was real chill. I feel like we're bringing some chill energy again. You're drinking yourself a nice little IPA there. I've got uh, water out of a water bottle that smells like coffee. Not great. Mm -hmm. What are you into right now? Bring me into your world. What are you into, man? What am I into? Uh, I mean, my brain just goes to shows mostly, like things. All right, what shows you into? Um, We've been getting into the newest season of Yellowstone. Do you watch okay. Yellowstone at all? No, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Um, we were, we're slowly taking in the newest season of Yellowstone. We are watching uh, copious amounts of Christmas movies. We have a Christmas mug. Wow. A Christmas mug full of a uh, piece of paper that Kira has written. Um, what feels like every movie ever and inside the mug. And every night, basically every night, we pull out a slip. And if you we watch can. a Christmas movie every night? Close to right now, yeah. Holy moly. I know. It's a lot. Um, we're really just, we're, and then we have, and for context, in a non Christmas season, we do also have a movie, a movie jug of movies that 
neither of us have ever seen that are famous uh-huh. that people recommend nice. or think people tell us they can add movies to the to the movie mug for us. And we were going through that for a while as well. Huh. You um, live really like a mug based life in terms of mm-hmm. making decisions. How many other See, mugs full of, of slips of paper do you have? Three. There's <laughs> okay. probably four to five total mugs. As part of it is when you need a container in this household, the first thing you're going to find is a mug. Um, sure. Because that is the number I'm one I'm not judging thing the mug. What are the other decisions that you let mugs handle? That's, that's the thing, and I think Kira would say it has a lot to do with her, her maybe some ADHD and like having two really hates um, when we sit there and can't make a decision. This takes it away from us, yeah. and it's a good idea. So we have one for uh, uh, Christmas movies, regular movies. There is right now a smaller one that is just Christmas activities. We chose to not do a movie that night. We could we could you know wrap presents. We could. Uh, go look at people's Christmas lights. We uh-huh. could make hot chocolate. We have uh-huh. some Christmas crafts we could do. So those are all in a mug as well. <laughs> and then she has a personal uh-huh. uh, mug that has, this is the kind of the crazy one. Every single book that she owns that she wants to read yeah. is been printed off, cut, folded, and thrown into a mug. Nice. Um, because she also really hates the process of trying to decide what book to read next when she has yeah. like roughly 280 books that she's got in her hands that she could read. So this yeah. is her random number generator, essentially. All right. Um, I'm in. And it. you know what? Yeah. It, it, honestly, the movie one really works. We don't spend any time like sitting around trying to figure out what what movie to watch. Um, we have some other shows. What's and the stuff process that we'll watch, for but... adding something to the mug? Do you both have to agree no, before something gets it's... added to the mug? For a while, it was movies that like either neither of us had seen, but if one person loved a movie and the other person hadn't seen it, it went in there. So she had never seen No Brother Where Art, though, threw that nice. in the bug. Is there a um, process where like you each get one veto and then you have to – or – Yeah, we veto. Whatever's in there. We don't hold ourselves to that strict of, strict of, a, of okay. a, a decision-making process. There'll be, we have a couple in there that are like wild cards, which are the top movie right now on X streaming service. So go to Netflix, right. what's the top movie right. or show? Never show because we're not trying to get into a full show. Um, sure. That's a big commitment. So we'll, it is a big commitment. And we've, you know, we just finished. What did we just finish? I don't know. She's been watching White Lotus and some other shows okay. uh, on her own. But so there's a veto process. But, you know, there's been a couple times where we started one and didn't finish it because we just decided it, we, we weren't that into it. Just weren't into it. But right. we do watch. I mean, that's our we'll get more into what my day-to-day life looks like right now, but the main way that we unwind after our work day is to come home, make dinner and then put on a Christmas movie and try and relax until we go to bed. Um, and right. that's our next month plan. So watching lots of things right now, mostly, nice. but right, so I cool. guess that's what I'm into. You're into, um, uh, slips of paper and mugs telling you mm-hmm. what you're going to be into. Yeah. It's a mug based life. Yeah. I like it. Uh, what am I into? What am I into right now? Uh, Emily and I have been rewatching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for like three years because we watch one episode a week, basically, maybe two. Mm-hmm. So we're in season 12. Still great. What else am I into? I just started That's playing like- God of War, the 2018 one, not the new one, because okay. I play video games also very slowly. I consume media except for books very slowly. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen that's, four movies this year. That's, that's why like, I, I was acting so flabbergasted <laughs> that you were watching one every night because I've seen yeah. four all year. Well, another thing too that you have to remember for our movie input or intake is that Kira is a uh, as a as a card carrying member, unlimited movie 
pass person for the movie theaters. So um, for, you know, a flat rate of like, what, 25 bucks uh-huh. or something a month, you can see as many movies as you want. Um, and she would tell you that she's not utilizing that enough. But we've seen a lot of movies because of that, because I end up going along to a lot of them. So um, nice. we also started. Like those, yeah. And I just throw those out there for other things that we've started that are that were started off on a slip of paper. And now it's just where we chose this winter. She wanted me to choose between which major movie or show watching project to begin. The uh-huh. choices were Game of Thrones, because uh, I'd never seen it. Um, yep. All the Marvel movies. Yep. Um, she's a huge Marvel head. And then also uh, she loves uh, Outlander. Okay. A movie, a movie, you know, a show based on the books. And then the last one was, oh, it was, was Gilmore Girls. Um, and we chose, I chose Marvel movies because I figured, you know, there's a lot of cultural things that I don't Wait, know. Did you or grab get. that randomly out of a slip of paper or did you get to choose that, that one? one? That you one I chose. free will on that one? That one was meant for me to choose because this was Mace. And nice. I, the reason we chose winter was that's when I have the free time to watch right. more stuff. So that, our winter project has begun. We watched the first uh, Captain America movie. Nice. Because I think that's technically the, the first in the chronological sequence. So, so you're, are you watching, watching chronological order or chronological yeah. story order, not order? Story order. Yeah. Yep. I also have so never, I, I, I am far from having completed all of those movies. So, yeah. So she's guiding, she's guiding me in that process. Through. Yeah. So she's, she's guiding me through that. Um, my, my Marvel movie watching guide, but. All right. Cool. Well, we're checked in now. Now we have to go through our – this is the most updates we've ever had in our document. Um, just line after line. No, I'm joking. We have nothing. I was like – I haven't looked at it in a minute. I thought you were still <laughs> typing over there. Yeah, I was – no. I'm being sarcastic. You don't even have the document open. You have nothing oh. written in farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe maybe we should just put the – start with the, the you know uh, bottom line up front as they call it, the bluff. Last episode of the season, are we thinking? Yeah, probably, because I think my life for the next month and a half will be pretty boring vis-a-vis podcast fodder. So, well, because you're farming um, packages instead of farming plants now. Exactly. And, you know, unless I start breaking packages open, there's so many sto- There's only so many stories I can tell about <laughs> my day-to-day process. Maybe don't break open any packages. Yeah. So it, I think I will be a little less interesting for the next month and a half uh, in terms of what's going on. Other than maybe I mean, we'll be able to – we, I think UPS stuff is very interesting and I oh, would me too. want to hear, about, I'll hear all about it. But Yeah, I would I would, I would do a, maybe a separate podcast if I stayed as well, a UPS well, worker. Maybe we'll end up talking about, about some of it. Um, but let's wrap up the, your farm season. So you appear to be in a different location. You were Damn. just talking about how you are not farming. It is December – how uh, bring us uh, bring us all up to speed on the end of your farm season? Yeah, it came sooner this year because of the decision not to come back for next year. Um, I knew that there would be less to do on the farm, and I kind of wanted the owners to be able to go seek a new farmer um, with you know plenty of time to onboard somebody and, and have their time training them, whatever, getting them you know used introduce to the farm them to the chickens, introduce exactly. them to the plants. Introduce tools to flossy needs. He needs an introduction and time. And so I knew that I decided that, you know, what, I'll leave earlier this year. I'll try and finish the week of Thanksgiving that coincided well with UPS wanted me to start the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So that was like my, my end of, uh, farm date. And then we stuck to that with moving out as well. So we wanted to be out of the tiny house that day. Um, same thing for them to have it available for somebody else. And we were going to both, 
UPS out here in Hendersonville and started Kingston Springs. So it was like a whirlwind of finishing up at the farm, getting ready to start UPS, buying a car, um, oh, yeah. you know, moving all of these things to try and line everything Brothers up at weekend. once. Brothers weekend was in there. There were a couple farm events as well. So it was very, very like hectic a couple of weeks to try and get out um, and still, you know, have a productive farm season if we could mm-hmm. uh, those last couple of weeks. So I'm out officially that Tuesday was my last distribution for like Thanksgiving shares um, or Thanksgiving orders, I should say. And, you know, I'm officially from off, off the pay at the farm um, still mm-hmm. around in case they need some, I've offered to help train and share information with the next farmer if they find it while I'm still around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, other than that though, I have not, I have not done much farming in the past, uh, 10 days and I'm now a package man. How's it feel? It feels a little weird to not be like in the routine of waking up and letting out the chickens and, you know, right. having land to walk around on cat. Yeah. Are you serious right now? crunching leaves back here and sounds uh like you have, it sounds like you still have animals though yeah no we still got animals too um <laughs> and they make podcasting great but um so it does i i do miss some of the stuff that came with it but it's always that was always my favorite part we used to always talk about that like that's why i liked farming up north was that the farm season ended you know you got yeah. a respite and i feel like i didn't get that in tennessee so um, at the same time, I am very much enjoying being able to sit and watch Christmas movies and, right. you know, wake up a little bit later and not do, um, as much as I was doing before. So it's, it's, Sometimes your, I think your UPS day shifted later or is it morning? Yeah. Morning? Uh, and so the, in the world of UPS, uh, the, we have to wait for a truck to bring us our stuff. So if we were going into the hub or something, it'd be earlier in the day, but we are usually meeting them at our storage pod that they drop everything off at, at 10 o'clock. Uh, okay. So I'm running, we're running like a 10 to six kind of day um, on like a long day. So, uh, you know, that change has been nice. Uh, I definitely, you know, can still tell that I like farming and, and want to go back to it. It's not like, you know, it came to an end and I'm like, Woo, I'm good for good. You know, for a long time, right. I, you know, I definitely still miss. Uh, Everybody wants a break from even stuff that they like. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, it's a transition into a thing I actually really like too, which is I really enjoy doing UPS. Um, nice. We've talked before about, I think, just, you know. Yeah, this is um, what you've normally do in your off season. Like you've done this for many yeah. years where you are like a helper for a driver, right? Like you're kind of running packages up to the houses and stuff. Yeah, so this is my like seventh year doing it or something nice. crazy. Um, I skipped last year because I was full-time employed at the farm still. But yeah, yeah for the first five years, I was – um, most of the time, our cousin Sean oh, yeah, Albert. Yeah, that must so, have been fun. It was. I was fun, always so I would, jealous. You just got to hang out with Sean all day. Yeah, so if, you know he's the one that kind of got me into it and told and me about it. Sunflower seeds. So, so Sean and I would just ride around his. Do you UPS still eat truck sunflower seeds? I don't because I've been. I'm so I should because I'm soft in my own car that I feel like it's just I don't know. It feels a little. When you're in your own car, so this is different yeah. than before. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about like how we're like, what we're doing for UPS now. So. Okay. That used to be used to be a helper. I would always be, do that. Work with Sean for like a, a little over a month, usually Thanksgiving to Christmas, and that was it. Um, you know, it was a nice in between thing. It's active. It's satisfying because uh, your truck or your car or your pod, whatever you're doing, is empty at the end of the day. Most part, yeah. you know, you are seeing your work go down throughout the day. Yeah. It's a very video game. It's an app on your phone that shows you your route and has a little <laughs> blue 
like squares at each house that you, it tells you how many packages you have to go to, you know? So like, um, you are, you are very much gamifying this, this job of how fast can you deliver all these packages and you know, your stats, like it tells you, like, you can see how many, you know, stops you have every day and, you know, a house is a stop. Um, but each stop can have more than one package. So you can, you know, you'll start your day 140 stops, but 280 packages and you're like, Oh shit. You know, it's a very, it's a heavy day. Um, so I don't know. I really enjoy all of the logistic organizational kind of stuff you get to do. Yeah. Um, you're Tetrising your own car all the time. You feel like you're always going on a road trip because nice. you start every batch is like, you know, you have them in numerical order starting on however you want them. For me, it's behind the driver's seat going around the car, like in a horseshoe. And I'm trying to make it, you know, so every stop is there. So when I get out of the car, I know exactly where it's going to be. Um, it's fun. Like I really just yeah. enjoy, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, trying to figure it out to be as efficient as possible. And, you know, it pays better than farming. Um, right. For, for context, I mean, it pays pretty well and you get reimbursed more for your mileage and using your own car and everything. So it's, it ends up being actually a nice financial boost for me as well. So um, right. there's definitely been times where I'm like, I wish this lasted longer. I wish this was like two months <laughs> of this. Uh, yeah. But I have well, not I mean, it, made this. Yeah. I was going to, so you don't, you don't think you've lined up like your next farming gig, right? Like, is there, yeah. Is there a possibility where like you just keep doing UPS longer or what are you hoping you end up doing? I mean, we're hoping this will probably usually carries over and kind of slowly tapers off in like the first week or so of January, unless something's different this year. I think that'll be the same. So by that point, we're hoping to at least one of us will have been hired or will have, you know, a legitimate job lined up or already agreed upon or, you know, and, um, the other person can use it as a springboard for looking more accurately to a location. So, right. you know, that's kind of what we're, what we're trying to, to do. We don't, we want to have things figured out by like the new year, ideally. Um, I mean, as I say that, and right now I have since being rejected from those early farms, I have not really applied again because we kind of have told ourselves that like, if we could pick a number one place, it would probably be back in Michigan, but mm-hmm. Um, there's the farms that I've, I'm not seeing jobs posted from any of the farms that I know there or in an area of Michigan, like even in general, like in Michigan, I'm just not seeing farm manager jobs go up yet. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, November, December is usually when they go up. So right. I keep checking every day, expecting, you know, hopefully something new to come up. Um, if we decide that, you know, it's just not happening for Michigan and, um, you know, or here gets a great opportunity in a different city, then I'll look there instead but um i don't think we're gonna try and stretch it out in tennessee much mm-hmm. into january unless we really have to so uh we're kind of pretending that the cliff edge isn't there but it very much is because <laughs> it's stressful to have this timeline set for yourself and saying you know we need to be moved out or we need this decision made but um i'm hoping some things uh some some good karma comes our way and some good job postings come up but until then, we're going to write out this UPS six day a week kind of thing and make as much money as we can. Right. And, and then, so Kira's doing it as well, right? Yeah, she's doing it as well. And she's also working two nights a week uh, at the restaurant still, too. So oh, okay. that's where she is tonight. So she she works some doubles in there. Um, the nice thing about the way our, our UPS thing is set up this year is we share a storage pod. We each have our own route, but we each right next to the storage pod, which isn't far from the house. And if she has to leave early, I can deliver the rest of her stuff. Um, so today she had to leave by three. And so I got to pick up the rest of her route, um, which wasn't a big deal. So yeah, she's, we're working a lot with the hope that, you know, 
moving right. is expensive. Yeah. Um, so, but as of now, like could not point to a spot on the map that we are for sure moving to, but she's got a good job lead and is interviewing right now. So I'm just sitting there on the, in the background, cheering around and hoping that that goes well. And that one's <laughs> kind of in my neck of the woods, right? Yeah, but actually it could be fully remote. Oh, it could be remote. Um, you could be anywhere. Gotcha. You could be anywhere with needing to travel to the DC area a couple times a year. I mean, some of those times for like a week or two though. So there would be a couple mm-hmm. of moments where she would be in the area for longer. So, uh, I mean, that would be awesome. It's a job that she's super excited about. So it'd be nice to, to have her find something she's really into. Cause I know that I'm pretty into farming and <laughs> I can <laughs> hopefully yeah. in some level, uh, find a farming job, even if it's not, you know, managing or something like that. So we'll see. All right. Cool. You got any uh, you got any end of year questions you want for me after my my second year? Yeah, managing? so second year at this place in Tennessee. How many years though? How many seasons have you farmed now at this point? I think this was my seventh season. So uh, August of 2015 was when I got into farming. Um, okay. My first farm job. I started like late in the season, so that one was a half season. But then. Uh, yeah, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Yeah, so seven, seven farm seasons. Okay, put yourself mentally back in your first, maybe your second farm season. What would that version of you be surprised uh, about uh, regarding farming that you've like learned this year or other years uh, as you've gotten deeper into it? Naive you versus you know grizzled veteran you. I mean, I think uh, a couple things. One, just visually looking at it, the scale that I'm farming now and have been managing the past two years is, and been farming on the last four years is a lot smaller than what I started on. Uh, you know, the first farm was 15 acres tractor based, but still organic. Um, I didn't really know what market gardening was. It had not caught on as much as a, as a full scale farming uh, style yet. And so I think that would just, you know, I would be a little surprised probably to see myself on such a small farm and, you know, naively, probably thinking like, how is that enough for a person to do? Um, you know, right, you I, must I had be lounging around all day. It must take you like a couple hours a day. You got yeah. your farm and then the rest of the day, you're just like a, like a man of leisure. Yeah. And I Has think that been your reality. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that, I think there's probably people out there that when I tell them what I, what scale I've been farming the past two years, they probably think like, you know, that a little bit of that, like three quarters of an acre is pretty small. You know, it's not it's barely a farm. That's more of a backyard, you know, and um, I think I probably would have thought the same way. So that's definitely a change that um, I wouldn't have probably anticipated at all. The other thing would just be that like, and this is probably true for any job or career, the more time you spend in it, but like just realizing it's a much bigger world than I thought of people doing this, you know, mm. um, it felt, and I, and I think more and more people are switching to farming at just smaller scale in general, organic, you know, local farms, but it definitely felt like a little niche and kind of weird in uh, Ann Arbor. And it felt like we were kind of just doing this little thing, but the more time I've spent hunting for jobs and farming in different States, you know, it's um, they're, they're around and there's a ton of them. And I think, uh, I was kind of unaware that, you know, too, when I started that this could be an actual career, you know, when I first took the job, it was a seasonal job meant to kind of fill my time, not too different from UPS. Uh, I dropped out of college or decided I wasn't going back and need to do something. 
And that's why I chose farming because it was there and it was active and it was outside. And, you know, I think it was probably year three of farming that I saw the farming couple I was doing it for, you know, were making their living doing it. <laughs> it was one of those things that did not seem right. realistic uh, when I began. And, you know, I think still is, you know, it seems at times a little lofty, but it's definitely the thing I'm striving for, which is to be, you know, a full-time self-employed farmer running my own farm. So, you know, I think it's encouraging to to see other young farmers who have done it, people who are my age who have now started their own farms, people I know that have started their own farms. So, uh, yeah. What's it? Like, what? <laughs> wow. Whoa. I have a sneezing demon in my room here, apparently. <laughs> Bless you. Um, Does she know she has to go to the sneeze chamber? What is she doing? You can't just <laughs> yeah, sneeze. Exactly. What um and maybe this is a really stupid question, but what does it take to do that? Like find obviously what finding some land, either having a bunch of money to buy that land, or I would imagine, you know, what like Lead, yeah. for the bank and yeah. uh, and then and then make enough money off of what you've planted there to just live your life. I mean that I guess described a farm. Yeah, I start, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hardest part, and it's why smaller farms continue to be a thing, is that the price of land is continuing to go up, especially if you're choosing a location where you maybe think there needs to be people that want to buy local produce. You know, that's right. that is a Venn diagram of <laughs> that is a Venn diagram of where you know you need to be close to a city. You can't be too rural because a lot of those people grow their own vegetables already or are yeah. not going to want to really fork can't have your land here. full of rocks yeah <laughs> and uh so that would be you know part of it is it's so expensive so you could figure out a lease agreement um you could try and figure, find someone that'll lease you part of their land let you use some of their land but you invest so much when you start a farm in the soil and year after year if you are just like especially if you're no-till the idea is that you are rebuilding and regenerating the soil so it's getting better over time, basically. Um, it's getting better over time, and it, it sucks if you're at a 10-year lease and that yeah. person sells the land away or does something, or you know, you cannot, you can't pick up that soil that you built to be beautiful <laughs> and move you. it with you. You know, you have to hope to buy it from them, and you know, maybe that did buy you enough time to to make the money or save money to do that. But you know, I think if I was going to do that, that would be a temporary thing to to kind of get my foot in the door and maybe you know, mm-hmm. have two or three seasons of growing produce on someone else's land and and saving up the money to then turn around and buy my own piece of land to do that on. So that'll always be the biggest barrier. Um, And, you know, I don't make a ton of money as is right now. So putting money away to make the future purchase of land equipment, seeds and everything you need, you know, it's. uh, Is there a a number that you have in your mind that it would take to like (laughs) even make it close to reality? Not I mean, if I pulled away the land part of it and tried to figure that out later, you know, and didn't put a price tag on that right now because it can just fluctuate so much. Um, you know, I think there's a range of farmer. I could probably ask some other farmers of mine to be like, yeah. you know, what did you spend when you started? But, you know, it could probably be really low. You could get that, you know, some fellow, some friends to help you turn the soil and pick a quarter acre. And that's how you begin. Um, and, you know, make enough money on that to expand every year. Uh, it's a long game and that's probably how it's going to have to be regardless. Um, right. The other scenario I could see is, you know, if I stumbled into a property that had the potential for 
What have you guys got in there? A lot of allergies? I don't, I don't know what her deal is tonight. I think she's somehow she's protesting the fact that she's not actually on the podcast by just yeah. being loud as possible. <laughs> she's allergic to not being on the podcast. I think so. Uh, um, but part of it would be, too, I could see a scenario where, uh, you know, if, if we I bought a property that had a barn or some other stuff on it that could be turned into, you know, or maybe the price going in is higher, but there's potential for agritourism venue and other things that could cover that cost mm-hmm. and help you, you know, um, there's basically other, two models. Other income sources other than whatever you're able to grow. Yeah. There's basically two, two perspectives, which is like bare bones, piece of land, super small and build it up over time. Or there are farms that take the plunge for a more expensive, bigger thing, but then just be in deeper and need to really make your, you know, your space, um, worth more money or make you money. And that's probably not just from farming, but from making it a venue, using it for different things. Um, and both are, you know, uh, possibilities that I'd be interested in. You know, mm-hmm. the second one seems obviously riskier and, and, and more stressful, um, but it could yeah. also be a step closer to actually, you know, turning the farm into a, a decent money-making venture other than, you know, breaking even. So I think for now, my my current plan is to, like one or two more seasons somewhere where I could uh, make good money, hopefully and save some money and then feel like I'm ready to make the really, really distressful decision of where do I want to be? Um, right. Again, it's not fun to move your farm around regardless of what you're moving. It's never uh, an ideal situation. So usually when you pick your farmland, you're kind of like picking long-term and right. If we've watched my farming career, uh, nothing has been long term. Um, I'm a two year I'm a two year farmer. <laughs> it's what I do, yeah. and so committing to uh, either the rest of my life or let's just even say ten plus years in one spot seems like a big deal. Yeah. So it's still there. It's still the possibility. It's still what I would like to do someday. But um, it's it's there's right. no uh, active moves being made in that direction right now, at least. So unless the Sperlin family wants to start a farm as a group and buy the land and go out together, in which case we can talk off the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I know we have uh, one sister-in-law who is very excited by that idea. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've maybe have egged her on a little bit and <laughs> trying to get that idea rolling. Um, but we'll see, you know, or I become a UPS delivery driver and they make pretty steady money. They and, do. You know, talk to our cousin about that. Be a hobby farmer on the side. Uh, I don't know if I'd be as happy, but <laughs> sure, have money, and you know, wouldn't be getting up at the ass crack of dawn or seeing yeah. chickens. The, Unless would, you went out of your way hope. to find them. Yeah, I'd hope not. Unless you're a really rural route, you're really, really. <laughs> or, or, the, or there are things being shipped in packages that I'm not really aware of. Yeah, yeah, live chickens. I'm sure. Well, you know, you get baby chicks in the mail. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, you could see you could see some dead chickens then. Yeah, there could be some crossover. Yeah, get everything you ever want. Is what's the? Um, oh, wait, I don't want to shift away. From, I was going to ask you a stupid question about UPS. I'm going to stay serious on uh, farm stuff. Um, what do you think? What was the? So I would imagine each year there's probably something where you feel like you've learned the most or like grown a skill the most. What is that for this year? Like, what was the thing? that actually we can take we can not just say this year but this this experience the last two years what do you think you have grown the most in your ability to do 
based on this experience? Mm. I mean, part of it was just seeing the bigger picture and the idea that, uh, you know, I've never got to make and fulfill and see through every decision on a farm. That was not ever the situation I was in on a different farm. I maybe played a part in some minor decisions. And when I was the field manager back in Grand Rapids, you know, I had some say in what we grew and things like that. But this was a different uh, situation where, you know, I was given, quote unquote, for the most part, free reign. And I was making those decisions with not too much supervision in terms of you need to do this, this, and this. So, you know, I really enjoyed the process of, you know, stepping back and trying to look at the farm and going, you know, um, what can I do with all of this? And, you know, how do I turn this into a successful CSA into having the stuff that these wholesalers want or these different accounts want, you know, I think just being able to think in that way um, and just put to use kind of the, the past five seasons of farming um, into like a very tactical, you know, farm plan for it's just a satisfying thing. Um, and really what I was looking for and why I wanted to manage. Cause I had spent enough time finally, you know, seeing other people make those choices that I felt I was ready to do it. So, right. you know, that has definitely been a thing that um, this, this two year process has really helped with. And the other thing I think is just, you know, I talk all the time and every job would tell you, and I'm sure I mean, it's pretty prevalent in farming, which is you just need to be very, very adaptable. And how do you handle things that are very out of your control, which is half of farming, you know, Weather, um, pests, et cetera. Yeah. You know, market demands and just crazy um, things that are entirely out of your control. And then things that are in your control that you mess up, which is <laughs> fine. You know, I've had plenty of those too. Um, but learning so you think how you've gotten to, better at, at kind of handling that ambiguity and, and being able to respond and be adaptive. Yeah. And I think the reason this was such a good opportunity for that was the stakes were always low. And I think that is good for learning how to be versatile totally. and, you know, yeah. like if it isn't make or break for somebody and it isn't, you know, someone's life on the line in terms of their money and their property, you know, I can make a mistake and feel like, you know what, I learned from that. I'm disappointed it happened. I'm frustrated that it happened, but, you know, I can move forward and, you know, not have to dwell on it too much. And being in this farm, I think was perfect for that because I made those mistakes and I feel like I learned from them um, without the day-to-day waking up and like really being anxious or stressed about it. Um, Is there one mistake that you feel like you've like you had that you learned the most from like, that was like the hardest mistake. And now that you've made it, you're like probably never going to make it again. There wasn't many like straightforward boneheaded, like mistakes. Like I've, I've know I've seen and heard stories from other farms, like people mowing a crop that was very much still producing, like, you know, like someone mowing down an entire field of broccoli that was like maybe a week from actually producing the broccoli, which if you've ever grown broccoli, it's a long process to get the broccoli crown. And this person just misunderstood and went out and mowed it down. And which I think is funny and disappointing. And it was a nonprofit farm. I don't think it was like the end of the world, but um, I I didn't have no profits with with moves like that. (laughs) I definitely didn't have any of those like very one-to-one, like you did this, this just happened. But right there were plenty of things where like the writing was on the wall, you know, it was like, Hey, that crop is having an issue of some sort and you can either address it right now and do something about it and probably save it. Or you can wait too long and then a decision's taken out of your hand and then you lose it. 
And I think that happened to me. And there's a couple of different things that happened there. One, it is me just making a, a boneheaded mistake and just saying, you know what, I don't have the time for it today, whatever. Like, I'll get to it. And then not getting to it. Um, or, you know, at other times it was, you know, I didn't have the labor. Like, I couldn't spend a day rescuing this crop because this thing was happening and I chose to do something else instead. And then I paid right. the consequence when that entire field went. But that's, yeah. that, yeah, that's, that's like you, that's you weighing the pros and cons and like the opportunity cost of like doing one thing versus another thing versus yeah. like just straight up making a mistake. I mean, and, and there will be times where I'll say like, I could, I could have done it. I should have done it. Like it was the opportunity cost. I think I had convinced myself it was bigger than it needed to be. You know, sure. there were times where I was like, no, no, you could have, you could do something about that. And you told yourself that it would take too long. Like what is um, like one of those things? Like I'm just trying to like, like going picking up a bunch of worms off of plants or like, yeah. So like, if you know, you know, and I, the tomato hornworm is like an example of that. You know, I'd be like, ah, I see a couple, you know, but I didn't spray for them or I didn't, you know, there are sprays that you can use. And there's been a couple of times on the farm where like, you know, I could tell the crop was getting eaten by something. And the smart thing would have been to do is go through spray once you know, three days later, spray again, three days later, spray again. Like it's not a one and done situation because you're organic. You're not using something that's like really going to wipe them out. You need to right. be persistent. And I wasn't, I was, there were times where I'd be like, ah, I sprayed the first day. It's going to be good now. Yeah. And you know, it rarely would it work out that way if I didn't follow it up. So those were frustrating ones. And then on the other angle could be like, you can watch a field. I mean, there were certain things I couldn't do about deer. They were going to get in no matter what, or certain pests, but there were times where, you know, I probably should have done more to curb whatever the armadillo was doing. You know, I should have prioritized like, you know, my neighbor offered multiple times, like for me, he's like, just tell me when you see one, I'll come over and shoot it with a shotgun. And like, you know, and it would be like 9 PM at night. And the last thing I wanted to do is be like, Hey, I went to close up the chicken. There's a, there's an armadillo out in this field and have him come flying over the shotgun and try and shoot it. But you know, <laughs> if it was my personal farm, would I have done more about it? Probably. You probably would have was, your own shotgun and you'd yeah. be out there. Like, you know, there are definitely things where I think if it was my own farm, there have been times where I was like, you know what, I really, I need to do something about this because it's actually costing a lot of money. And then, you know, one other example would be, you know, um, and luckily I was fairly good about this one, but you know, really cold weather is coming and you have some borderline susceptible plants that are still healthy, but there's a frost coming, you know, obviously you can't cover your eggplant, every eggplant plant in the middle of October, you know, it's just would take too long, but there are fields where you could be like, you know, uh, I could let that thing try and ride it out and see if it could handle it. Or I could take 45 minutes and cover it in fabric and try and insulate it for the night and, and make right. it survive. Um, and, you know, there were times <laughs> this fall where I had to convince myself, like, no, stop everything else you're doing. Go and try and save that bed because, you know, it's going to be 29 degrees tonight. And, like, if you think it's going to be warmer for some reason, you're just wishing that it wouldn't <laughs> right. happen. You're just trying and to avoid so this work that you don't want to go do. Yeah. And sometimes that work does just really, you know, kind of sucks. Um, I wish I'm sure I will sit on it and then it'll dawn on me. I'm sure there's been some like straight up mistakes of, you know, um, I lost tons of seedlings in the greenhouse this year because of a mouse and things like that. Things were like, I would start it and then like, remember the next day after I saw them eat it, like you knew that was going to happen. Why did you not like do the thing you do to keep them this from happening? And, you know, but also that, Every farmer out there is just thinking like, that's also farming. Like it's, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But how much it happens <laughs> is sometimes in my control, you know, yeah. um, or whether like the same mistakes are happening over and over. Yeah. Like new and f new fun ones all, all, the, all the time. 
Yeah. And that would be, I guess, another thing when you talk about like, you know, what all of you learned from being in the management position is just how many different ways you can find things yourself. Things can go poorly. <laughs> yeah. Things should go poorly. Like you do like, oh man, like, you know, crazy weather can happen, but it's wild to have a week where you go from, you know, this pest to this pest, to this disease, to this crazy wind thing, to drought, to this. And it's like, wow, that was like, I never even had a chance. Like I never stood a chance to, to, to best, you know, all six of these things that ended up happening in a row, let alone, you know, like one or two of them. Um, so that was, an, you know, being able to just accept that is an important part of, of, you know, deciding to be a farmer. But so I'd like to think I've gotten better at that. All right. But, you know, and the, the most clear cut one would be just that, uh, you know, I proved that I can make money on the farm, like growing wise, you know, um, the decisions that I made that would make the farm more money and like that Cura helped me make with the CSA and stuff like I we, we made it happen. And that was evidence that, you know, and the fact that we just made more money this year. Do you have like, um, the final numbers just, like available in your head or like percentage yeah, I more think- or anything? So I think we had talked that like 23 was the year before. Um, and this year I think was, we finished right around, I have to take out, I think about, about 35,000. So 12,000 more overall. So man, um, that's revenue, not um, profit, right? Yeah. Well, so right now there's some, let's see some stuff in here. Make sure nothing crazy. Oh no, there's some, there are some uh, fees for like events that people paid us. It's like, wow, we made a lot of money, but, <laughs> that stuff does all go together, but I don't get to think of that as me having right. grown great veggies when someone rented our barn for something. But you know, at least ten to twelve thousand more this season. Yeah. Um, and Without that was with increasing, but I was, well, increasing labor a little bit because Kira yeah. helped you. Uh, but but she ended like, up spending yeah, yeah a majority of her time on on a venue on venue stuff. Um, right. And I would actually say too, if you if we looked back on it and I had to rate the years. A worse growing year for sure for me too. Oh right, yeah, worse growing year, but because you just made better decisions, were more efficient. You know, yeah, that type of stuff. You actually made more money, and we had better. Yeah, we just had better relationships with customers and doing yeah. more markets and the CSA and things like that. You know. Um, so yeah, yeah if, it, if you were to like stay, you know, and, and there's lots of reasons why you want to move on and go somewhere else. But if you had stayed, you would probably feel confident that you would again, you know, again, if the growing season was okay make more money because you would have learned more, better relationships, yeah. been able to like, is, is think, the main thing that keeps you from making more money? Cause I know the first year it was not being able to market at all. Like not be able to sell everything that you were growing. Yeah. This year felt like it was probably better. Did you like totally saturate that or was there, is there still ways to get better at making sure you have places to sell all your stuff? There's definitely better, you know, we definitely could have pushed harder into other restaurants and other venues for selling our stuff. Um, but I think the biggest difference would have just been, um, really choosing crops wisely, you know, mm. um, you know, we talked about the, the lack of sweet potatoes this year, but you know, maybe give up on even growing that, like, do you need to right. be growing them? You know, it sounds like you just need more greens. Yeah, it really is what it is. And that's what people want. And, um, you know, had we kept both of our nonprofit, um, or both of our wholesale accounts going, at the same time, you know, and they both were really in demand of, of greens. I think we could have really boosted those numbers. So I think if it was, if I was there next year, I would push to have a larger CSA, um, just even by just five more members and then really try and fine tune what I'm growing and, you know, use that to catapult into having one more employee for more time. Cause right. there were definitely things that 
you know, an entire three days a week spent harvesting, uh, you're not going to be f- replenishing what you need to do by planting more, starting more weeding, keeping stuff going. Um, a lot of those decisions were made uh, throughout the season of days where I'd be like, well, another day I'm not weeding that field. <laughs> and, you know, one every day you're just moving a bunch of tiny little things around and like meters and, you know, that meter is getting closer to that field is lost to weeds or that crop is no longer worth spending time trying to harvest because it's it's going to be such a pain picking out all of the stuff that's in it or, you know, all these little things like that that just shift. It's not always weeding, you know, there's times when you need to turn a bed over, but you don't have the time to mow and tarp it. And so it just continues to sit there and get out of control. And now it takes longer to break down because every plant has turned woodier and just things like that where, you know, it is a hundred percent those video games where like you are just trying to manage time management games or where you're trying to be like, yeah. who are you spending attention on and where are you spending your attention? I hated the Mario levels where the screen was like automatically moving from left to right and you ha- it was like pushing you along and you had to move quickly. I didn't like that yeah. pressure. I think maybe I'd be a bad farmer. Uh, I mean, you know, it might take a little like getting used to uh, as much as it does yeah. feel like that that is moving along. To me, it feels like a more extreme game of like, you know, when you play like a, a, a Sim City and things like that, you know, like things that have where you need to be spending, you know, a roller coaster tycoon game where you don't realize that <laughs> the throw up is getting out of control on behalf of your place because your sidewalks <laughs> are too tiny. You can't even yeah. see the puke is on the ground, yeah. you know. <laughs> If yeah, I had to compare here, it to something, you're you're over here <laughs> fixing this broken roller coaster where there are fatalities happening. In the meantime, yeah. every bench is here. <laughs> every bench is broken in half because your place is full of vandals. Yeah. You know, yeah. it feels a bit like that at times. Well, um, the nice thing with roller coaster tycoon is you can always just keep a janitor. Uh, you just pluck a janitor out of the yeah. crowd and drag him wherever you want him. That's what I you don't need. get. That's that why power. you need an employee. If you had an employee, yeah. you could do that. Employee and one really strong drone, I could really do that. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting at the, at the porch of the, of the yeah. tiny house and moving Gerald, my, my water. Come here. Uh, stand right there. I'm picking you up. I'm taking you to, <laughs> taking you to field six. You can just tell me to walk over there. I'll go. No. no You're my no, game. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I don't know, all of that that stuff. But it's, it's the expected thing, which is to say more time managing a farm made me better at managing a farm. And, yeah. you know, well, so that's funny how that works. Getting experience yeah. doing a thing makes you better at doing the thing. Yeah. Getting reps, as they say. Yeah. We should make we a shirt that says that. that on that. Yeah. Just, I mean, we talk about getting reps all the time at the ready. Like, it's the only way to get good at the stuff that we do as, like, for new people who join us. Like, all these, like, various sorts of sessions and things that we teach clients. Like, you can learn how to do them and you can practice them with in the friendly confines of like a role play with colleagues. But the only way you actually get good at it is by doing it in real time with real clients and handling real situations that come up from them. I mean, it's why when people ask like her, you know, I'm seeing people apply for farm jobs that one specifically, I was kind of looking at, I didn't get to see many of the applications, but some of the ones that were coming in, I'm just a little apprehensive when someone's experience is mostly just that they finished ag school and, are ready and, and want to manage the farm. I'm not saying they maybe would, of course they'd be able to figure it out. They're probably very smart people, but yeah. there's so much of that stuff that is just, you know, being a farm hand is not fun. Ideally when it comes to like paying the bills, um, I'm glad I got mine out of the way when I was 18 years old and spent, you know, 18 to 22 right. making nine twenty five an hour. 
or living on a farm and a trailer and all these different things I did, you know, <laughs> right, but yeah. that was a hundred percent where I learned a lot of what I just implement day to day now. And, you right. know, you don't have to it think can be, about it now. Like, you know how to do these things, you know, what good looks like for how to plant yeah. a tomato. That was a bad example because you, I mean, but you, you get what I mean. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many, again, yeah. If you, I think, I just imagine, you know, if you'd only ever read about like, what's the proper, you know, what's a good way to be efficiently harvesting head lettuce, washing it and packing it, you know, you can watch a video and read it and then go do it and like, you know, discover that it's taking you forever. You don't know actually what you're supposed to be doing or, you know, and that's a very like clear cut, you know, boring example. But I think, you know, uh, farming is a hundred percent one of those things where, you know, getting the reps is the main way that you um, shift your weight. It's why no farm really cares that much about your education level of, right. you know, did you go to school for ag or is it, you know, have you continued, have you been farming for long enough where you keep coming back to it? And that's a good sign versus, you right. know, I finished yeah. a four year program in it. So, um, yeah. And so I keep telling myself, at least as I apply to these jobs, <laughs> I, think so. I mean, I, that has to be, that has to be true. Yeah. So, and there's, you know, there's exceptions, you know, if you're doing a lot of education work and things like that, um, where you're a little less hands-on, a little more, uh, actual information based and, and sharing like that, then I can see a, a farm requiring a bit more, but, um, you know, once you're out there in the dirt, you're all, doesn't matter where you went to school. You're still, you know, <laughs> you felt really close to a t-shirt slogan there too. Yeah. <laughs> once you're out in the dirt, it, it, nobody cares it, about your diploma. Yeah, I feel like we need like a rhyme. Shirt, uh, okay. Um, Bert, <laughs> hurt. Yeah. Zert. Like Suze, you're out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we won't. Uh, we won't at all. All right. Um, I don't know. Any any closing thoughts on your Tennessee farming experience? Are you glad <laughs> that you got? Tennessee. I'll, I'll stop asking follow-ups and let you just answer that first thing. Closing yeah. thoughts on your Tennessee farming experience. I mean, it was, you know, all in all, regardless of, of deciding not to stay after two years, a very, very positive experience because of the opportunity it gave me. You grew, you grew yourself a girlfriend. I grew. <laughs> I did. She would love that you said that. I grew myself a girlfriend here in Tennessee. Um, but, you know, I think it's another... I think the farm was tailor-made for someone in my position, which was to say someone who was ready to manage without everything else, um, who was ready to learn in low-stakes situation and, you know, could use it as an educational opportunity. Um, whether or not right. that's how the owners wanted it to be used <laughs> is how it was well best served for me, you know? And it's tough. You can want one thing for your farm. surprising to them, I mean. Yeah, and I think that's that's the scenario of the farm and that's what it was great for. So I'm glad that, you know, I came down here and, and took the job and, you know, um, it's always fun to live somewhere new. I really enjoy any chance to, you know, right. See a different place and farm somewhere new. It's why I struggle to settle down in one place for farming because I've enjoyed every time I have moved to somewhere new to see, um, you know, what the farming culture is like and what it's like to grow there. And, you know, I will, I say, I'll say this, it was hot as hell and it was humid and it was brutal. You know, I think it was incredibly taxing at times more than other places that I farmed and uh, things about it made it incredibly frustrating uh, when it comes to like, you know, just the weird diseases and things that I had to deal with. Um, you know, that came with the territory and, you know, 
farming somewhere where a tornado is a, is a reality and all of these things that maybe I would have never considered or always thought like, yeah, but how much could that really affect me? Like, you know, it's fine. I can handle yeah. it. Uh, you know, I did handle it, but it was, it took its toll, um, <laughs> you know, between physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion. I think I learned a lot about, you know, um, the human limit and especially farming as one person on, you know, a certain scale. Um, yeah. But that was my goal going in too, was like, I really wanted to know, you know, if I wanted to start something by myself, what am I capable of? Right. You know, what all could yeah, what I do would it feel like to solo run an operation and, you know, uh, how, what little tricks and things could I do to be efficient enough to, um, you know, make enough money to have it pay my salary, cover the farm expenses. And, you know, could I do that for two years? Could I do that for five years? Could I, you know, things like that. So I feel, you know, a little closer to having those answers, having done it for two years. So, you know, and I got to live in a tiny house, which is pretty cool. I, for those that saw the property, you got to see how gorgeous of a place I got to live, which was amazing. You know, yeah. um, the not counting snakes, the, the fact that I got to have like a, you know, really nice Creek that ran past the tiny house yep. and had this whole property that I got to enjoy and pretty, you know, uh, a pretty awesome small town that I spent a lot of time in, you know, um, it was, it was a pretty great opportunity. So, you know, I'm very much appreciative of what the last two years were. Um, but I'm excited for whatever I get to do next with all of that new knowledge. So cool. All right. Well, I feel like that's a good way to close this, this episode and close this season of fields, you, field, fields of work. I, there's nothing new going on with me. It's just, yeah, so are you okay? Are you okay taking the pass? Oh, uh, we'll take touching. we'll take a pass. We'll take a pass. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, yeah. Everything's fine. I'm also, you know, in my seventh year of uh, doing management really? consulting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is seven, the seventh year se- at the ready or like yeah, at like September? Yeah, seven year September was seven years at the ready for me. Oh, started man. in 2015. Yeah. Look at us. We both started just, new journeys in 2015. We are the we're same. The same, except the I'm 10 years older continues. than you. Well. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but everything's everything's going going well as of right now. Still working with the same client that I've been working with for a long time. Still doing some DAO stuff. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot happening around uh, around the old home office. Uh, we'll pick any, it up. We'll pick it up next year. You okay. Know. Any any fun trips? Anything planned? It sounds like we might see you over New Year's potentially. New Year's coming home. Coming home for New Year's. I actually just found out I'm going to do like a one day session in Detroit like the following week. So you may you won't be there, but Michigan. They might see will, you twice. We'll see me. Might see me twice. Nice. Briefly. Uh, other than that, we'll have a retreat coming up in February, but I don't know where it is yet. And I think I am going to be doing, I'm going to be facilitating a retreat for a client, I think either in Denver or Boulder in February as well. Nice. You should, uh, whoever plans your guys' retreats, tell them to look into a really cool farm hotel place center just opened in Franklin, Tennessee called South Hall. That seems reminiscent maybe of the places you guys went upstate New York, has a restaurant, has a spa, has much other cool things. Cabins. Nice. Shoot me that property. Like. Yeah, I'll send it over to you. Um, All right. Sweet. Cool. 
Well, I don't know when we're going to pick this up again. Uh, it'll we could do combination. a UPS episode. Don't you worry. Maybe maybe happen. we'll do a UPS. I mean, because <laughs> we never we never said this was only going to be about farming. This is about two brothers and the work that they do. So exactly doesn't you know we could both change up our our work and we could still be doing fields of work. Exactly. That's why this podcast is evergreen, and That's we'll right. get to con- and we'll continue forever, <laughs> forever, Sib. I, I, I think in our right. here's the thing in our lifetime, we could record this for the rest of our lives. This podcast still might finish with less than 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we didn't. We I, I should go back and like do some. We, we, we've definitely slowed our <laughs> cadence a little bit. Here's, but I have gotten some nice feedback from people. People like yeah. when we record this. I would like to think that the way that we've gone about recording episodes has turned it into a thing where. If you're on your podcast feed, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I know when classic ones are coming out, they're yeah. very scheduled, whatever. Monday there's afternoon. A couple, there's a couple that I follow that are a little bit like fields of work where it's like, oh, yeah. oh what a surprise. Like yeah. A treat. That's a treat that it's out. Little, and little, that's little what we podcast are. treat. <laughs> we are – fields of work is your podcast treat, I hope. Or yeah. it's an annoying thing that pops up on your feed every couple of weeks. And you're like, what? And you're like, that oh, I'm so again? subscribed to this? Like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, what could they possibly exactly. have to say? So hopefully, I mean, it's not that, but so I'm fine with it. You know, it just right. matches, it just matches our rhythms of life. And sometimes right. things are a little too busy. That's right. All right, dude. Well, let's sign off for now. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. Talk to you later. See you later. Goodbye. Cat, look at this shit. <laughs> Cut that part. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, penning, it was just half a cat came out.